I want you right now, we're going to start off, I'm going to just go right into it. We're talking about awake. This is, I'm wrapping up that theme for the month. And um, I want you right now to close your eyes. I want you to feel the chair you're sitting on. I want you to feel like the ground that you've been standing on. We need to wake up to become aware of the blessings that we have for where you're at right now. You can open your eyes. Do you all kind of sense that? You have a value system like, I am here. Most of you probably know why we're here, because there was a price that was paid in prayer, in time, in service, in money, in vision. Today, I want to talk to you about awakening, just to be mindful that we, we are standing on hallowed ground, basically. We are in a place that no one, one else on earth has been at. We, we stand on a ground that speaks. There's a history. There, blood has been shed at times, unfortunately. We get to stand on this ground because there was a price that was paid. And today I want to talk to you about valuing the ground that we stand on. So it's a, almost like a legacy message I want to encourage you with. And I was just thinking on this, for me, it's like I have stand, stood on many types of ground. I've been really blessed, obviously, to be raised in the United States, which is obviously a nation where the ground has seen a lot of turmoil and a lot of victory. But now I'm here in this amazing country that even though the history may not be always the brightest, but I think the future is even brighter. We need to wake up and look at the ground we're standing on. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, if you want to turn there, I was just kind of reflecting on, <clears throat> honestly, what started me in this sermon was the song, The Blessing. I know that's been an amazing, impactful song over the last year and a half or so. It's been a profound song to be reminded of the blessings that we have in Christ, the, 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 the favor and the hope we have in Jesus in, and then chapter 7 in Deuteronomy, starting in verse 6, it talks about this, the chosen people, a blessed nation. And that's who we are here at Networks and who we are as believers. And I just want to start out right away going just here, just to kind of build a foundation on where I want to go today. Starting in verse 6, it says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. We're a chosen people. We're a special treasure. Sometimes I know we can easily devalue ourselves and our lives because sometimes we don't feel we make the mark. But you are a chosen people. And we need to value the legacy so we can forge the future. We need to value our legacy that's, of those that have gone before us so we can forge the future doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're up serving here in the front or you're in the back and not known. We all are forging something for the future here at Networks Church. We're getting ready to expand this area and this church and our impact into this community. But it's more than that. You don't know who will walk through that door someday, who needs to know the testimony and the breakthrough and the peace and the love that you carry that we all so easily sometimes take for granted. Look at the ground you're standing on. Let's jump up to verse 9. 
It says, therefore, now know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their face. To destroy them, he will be, not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. You have two options here. Love the Lord. Be obedient. Because he is faithful to keep his covenant to you and his mercy. But if you don't, he says it. he will destroy you. <laughs> I don't think I want to be on the other end of that. I'm thankful that because of Jesus Christ, I get to abide in him. Jumping up to verse 12, and it says, Then it shall come to pass, because you listen to these judgments, and keep and do them. So we need to be obedient. That the Lord your God will keep you with the covenant and mercy which he swore to your fathers. We get to create a legacy. He says that he will extend his covenant and mercy to a thousand generations. Do you realize that? What you do today will always affect tomorrow. And there has been a price paid for you and I. I'm so thankful for that, that Jesus Christ chose me and my family and those that I know that do believe in him. He paid everything so that I could live reconciled back unto the Father. How about we awaken to the promises that God has us and the legacy set before us? So I was thinking... This is great. You know, I know we've probably all heard these kind of messages where, you know, where we want to be creating something for others to benefit later on in life. That's what, I believe this church has done that very well. It, whether we're old or young, we are all on the same path to see heaven invade earth. So what does that really look like, though? And I know I'm kind of a three-point message kind of guy, so bear with me. So number one, steward the land better than Cain. We know the story of Cain and Abel. Born unto Adam and Eve, they were actually the first generation after God created all that he created. Steward the land better than Cain. What does that mean? Well, our land is our area of influence. Our, our, the land that we get to steward is uh, whether it might be your job, it might be your gifting. All encompassing into that is your faith, compassion, loving, seeing, it's your place of influence. But sometimes, like Cain and Abel, we often forget that when it comes to bringing God our best, sometimes it's just out of our own convenience and surplus that we just give God what he deserves. It's, it's like a, it's a statement similar to a, a gentleman, I was, as I was looking just through for some other perspectives on this. Um, how many of you have heard of Leonard Ravenhill? There's a couple, yeah. I, I, there's so many amazing uh, believers in this world, and this gentleman, is, he's a British writer and evangelist, and he says, you can't live wrong and pray right. You can't live wrong and pray right. It's so true. How many of the church, the world is looking for a church to actually live right and pray right? How are you living? Steward the land better than Cain. Well, now I'm just going to that story just briefly here to revisit it and see. In Genesis 4, starting at verse 1, if you want to turn there, it says, Now Adam knew, his, knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. 
Then she bore again, and this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. How interesting that the sheep need the ground to feed off of and live on. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Now, it didn't say what kind of offering. It just said an offering. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. That's pretty, that's pretty distinctive. The firstborn, the best, and of the fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Now, for those of us that all know, we probably all have heard the story many times. Cain wasn't so happy with that. He wasn't happy. You don't hear, actually hear Abel's conversation, but in the midst of it, obviously Cain kills his brother Abel. Cain, out of his own inability and probably selfishness, kills his brother because he didn't want his brother to be favored. And as he's talking with God, God said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? Cain said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And God said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, you shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond you shall be on the earth. Like I said in Deuteronomy, refer to it, we get to abide in God's covenant and mercy and love, or we don't, and we face being destroyed. What are we doing? Look at the ground you stand on. Steward the land better than king. No matter our excuses, the land we stand on, the promises that we walk in, all speak of our actions and our faith and what's in our heart. We will be known by the fruits that we have, right? No matter what you do, you're going to bear some kind of fruit. It could be really good and plentiful, or it could be rotten and useless. Depends on where your heart's positioned. There is a legacy for you and I to create and forge. And I believe we do that well in this church, coming together as a body, we, we are connecting each uh, week in microgroups as we start to, to speak more and more on that. I believe that we can steward land better because when you do it by yourself, you're always going to probably give just out of your own, your own wisdom. But when you come together, you get to partner your, your, your strengths and your resources and your time. And as we do, it's more than just being fulfilling that need of a microgroup or a connect group. It is about becoming the body. It is about forging the future to see people come aware, like, wow, what are you guys doing? Because, you know, you're different. All this stuff is going on in the world, but you seem to be unfazed by it. You seem to carry peace, even though, you know what, you just had a flat tire coming to work, and then you realized you ran out of petrol, but you still come to, come to work with a smile on your face. Or you're prosperous. Why are you so prosperous in your life? We need to steward the land better than king. Number two. Make a stand on the land. Make a stand on the land. So we want to need to steward the land. We need to make a stand on the land. The enemy will always come and attempt to tempt us. The enemy will always attempt to tempt us. 
And I believe one of the ways that looks like is he wants to compromise your faith. That's, if the enemy can get you to partner with him in the little lies or the little knocking or the creaking of the door, it's like, ooh, come here. Check this out. This is awesome. Yeah, it's about, it's about fulfilling your needs in the flesh or it's about you just wanting to do things that you know you shouldn't do. But come on, it feels good, doesn't it? Don't compromise your faith. I know I've compromised my faith, unfortunately, and I learned from those lessons that God's mercy thankfully came around me as I repented. But how many of us here have gone to Dr. Google to find out what's going on? I'm serious. How many of you have actually gone online and typed in something going, hmm, I wonder what this is all about. I know I'm feeling this. I'm thinking this. Uh, what is going on? What do I need to do? All that does, it's that little door going, oh, open it more. Oh, yeah, check this out. Oh, 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 God, I better get to the doctor right now. Dr. Google is not your answer. God's promises are. Believe me, I, even recently I made that mistake out of, of just kind of opening it up a little bit. and like, oh. It's one of those things that I know you shouldn't do, but I need to stand in God's promises because you allow the enemy to compromise your faith. That's what he wants to do. He wants to take that faith from you. He wants you to go partner with him in, in death and destruction. God has paid the price for you and I. We are forging a future for generations, and we can't afford to give that away to the enemy by partnering with fear and death. I'm thankful, though, that even in the midst of that, even someone that's up here, that I get to come to people and trust my, my heart and situations with people because I can't do that to get alone, and I can do it with my wife, but I can do it better when I have two or three gathered. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 24, I just want to go there. If you want to mark it or turn there, please. I know Hebrews is, a, is an amazing book that t speaks on a lot of things, and faith particularly. And then in verses 19 through 24, it says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Wow. We get to come with boldness, knowing and full assurance that when we come into the arms of the Father, that his grace and mercy are extended to us. Life and peace and wholeness are extended to us. And it says, and this, we all like to quote this part of the scripture. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Amen? He who promised is faithful. No matter what faith level you might have, God's faith is always going to be bigger. God's faith is bigger than you. And even reflecting on, on this part, you know, how many of you are familiar with Stephanie Gretzinger? I've heard the name. She's, she was, um, she still is, a, she's a worship leader, but she's just a child. She's a PK, pastor's kid from an old Wesleyan church, I believe, in the States. Very, very um, kind of old school. And she, what she's learned through her life that fear is the most tolerated sin in church. Fear is the most tolerated sin in church. It really is. 
It's unfortunate. And she has said that you can read all the books you want on, on, on faith, on, on whatever element of Christianity, but if you're reading those more than you're reading the Word, you got your priorities wrong. You got your priorities wrong. You need to be meditating on God's Word and, and promises. Those things are great. They're great resources. They're little arms that help you come around the Word. But the Word needs to be our center. And it's also been said that sin shouldn't feel better than God's presence. Sin shouldn't feel better than God's presence. Sin should not feel better than God's presence. How easy is it sometimes to want to do things that feel good, whatever that may look like. But God's presence is so much bigger and better than that. Make a stand on the land. Do not compromise our faith. Come with boldness. Number three, become willing to pay the price. Pay the, be willing to pay the price. Jesus paid the price for you and I. But be willing to pay the price right now to be building something, adding to the foundation that is here at, in, in spirit, maybe even practically. Be willing to pay the price. This place has been forged out of a heart wanting to see God encounter people's lives in this community. Most of you know that even I don't even know the history of Networks Church and actually seeing it is what I mean. You guys all came from the Springwood um, Center over here just around the corner and we're renting it out and now we're here and God has done something miraculously. He really has. I grew up in a church uh, with my family. It all started from the Jesus movement, my parents and a bunch of crazy Jesus freaks in the basement of a house in Battle Creek, Michigan. And it started in the basement. Started in a microgroup, in a connect group. As it built, it then it went into a, a greater congregation to where we rented out a, a, uh, a hall in the YMCA in our town. And we did that for years. All I can remember every Sunday is coming into the YMCA, walking past the pool, smelling the chlorine, and going up into, <laughs> up into the room to where we rented it out every Sunday, where they came in every Sunday morning, packed it in with music equipment and chairs, and then packed it all out at the end of the, end of the service. Every single Sunday. And then I got older and I got to help with that as I had strength. I remember doing that very early in the morning. We'd be at 6 o'clock in the morning coming in and packing and setting up the church for that day. Until eventually that church had money and had a vision and built on 40 acres of land a pole barn. The pole barn had a basketball court, a couple offices, a toilet, and a kitchen. It was awesome. We had a church finally. We had it, it was our own. And now, Generations later, it is fulfilling actually a prophetic legacy of the leaders even there that are no longer there, and they actually drew out the plan. They wanted to set up a legacy. They wanted, they wanted to pay something. They were willing to pay the price. And now it is a church that recently even, I don't know how, but it's amazing God's favor is on them. We went and they made an extension, had schoolrooms and classrooms, and now they just finished a $10 million worship sanctuary edition. That started from the basement. This church has started from some place. It's in the hearts of the leaders and people who are willing to pay the price. And here's another quote for you from Leonard Ravenhill. He says, 
No man is greater than his prior life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and payers, but few prayers. Many singers, but few clingers. Lots of pastors, but few rustlers. Many fears, but few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Feeling here, we all fail everywhere. Are the temporary things worth your eternal things? Are you willing to pay the price? Yes, there's a cost of following Jesus, and it is worth giving up all that you think you can do to encounter him and his promises. It is worth paying the price to say, yes, I will go to wherever you want to send me. More and more, I'm reminded of the promise I made to God as I went into ministry school. I said, God, if I'm going to do this, I want to be obedient, and I will go wherever you send me. I will go wherever you send me, where that may be just down the street or maybe to the nation, like this beautiful nation of Australia. I said yes. Like it says in 1 Corinthians 6.20, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We are not our own. God has paid a price for you and I. It's the cross. It is the empty tomb. He has paid the price to redeem us. In this church, the price has been paid. Are you willing to pay it? And I learned that with faith, we can do anything. With faith, we can do anything. As much as I love coming from the stream where Bethel was cultivating the presence and encounters, it is true. It is powerful. It is effective. But without faith, we can do nothing. Without faith, we can do nothing. This church is built on faith. I've seen it, and I'm living it. I'd much rather trust God and his heart and his promises, the victory that we have in Christ, than be trusting in my own abilities and the amount, how much money I can invest or how many things I can do and get done during the day. I'd rather trust my, put my, my, my investment into the promises of God. And be mindful of that. And it's not just a one-time thing and then it's done and said and done. It is a continual obedience and relationship with Jesus. And it is amazing that God, as he, he starts revealing to me about the things that are important on his heart, and they give me, me the opportunity to reveal his heart to you, that there is a price that we have to pay. And it is worth it. Even though you may not realize it, there's a price. And there's another, I have a clip I want to show you. Jeremy Riddle, those that know Jeremy Riddle, he's, a, again, another amazing worship leader. But he's more than that. He's a son. He's a son that's gone after the presence of God. He knows and he's done things that he knows that sometimes being in God's presence is worth the price. And so, men, if we can roll that, we can turn the lights down. It's just another great perspective. My heart, my heart burns for the church to know what real worship is. 
Um, worship is not the thing that catches in the earth through lectures. Um, it's, it's, it's not like we go to a new believers course or you go to the worship course, you go to worship one-on-one and you emerge from that course with a badge or certificate of like, oh yeah, I, I get it. I, I, I understand what worship is now. Um, it doesn't work like that. Um, worship catches in the earth um, in a room where people are worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And in that place of purity and in that place of power, that's where worshipers are made. And one of our primary goals, one of our primary assignments, the commandment that we've been given is to make disciples. And disciples are first and foremost worshipers of the living God. They're the thing that the Father is seeking on the earth. He's seeking people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And as as I've given myself to understand how this thing called worship advances in the earth, you know, how people catch it. As I've studied my own life, you know, uh, I didn't learn how to be a worshiper um, through a class, you know, that no, no one, no one said, here's the three points, you know, it, I discovered worship. I learned how to be a worshiper um, initially through my mom and dad. I, I, you know, my dad would get up at four or five in the morning um, consistently, almost throughout his entire life. Um, and he never led worship for more than 20, 30 people probably. But every morning, um, <laughs> I had a modern day David singing in the corner of the house and to the Lord in the most wild, extravagant fashion. And um, I would come into like a semi-conscious state as a kid all the time. And, and that was just normal life. And I'm like, yep. The howling is is my dad, and he's he's praying in tongues. He's he's just going after it, and that was just normal. And I had no idea at the time of what was being formed in my heart as a worshiper. And to this day, when I take a stage, right, when I get behind a guitar, whatever it may be, I realize so clearly that I'm standing on the freedom and on the witness. And on the, I am the fruit of my father's worshiping life in, in, in so many ways. We are standing on the freedom and the fruit of those that have gone before us. We really are. I'm so thankful for that in this church. And you guys, don't, don't undermine your abilities and what you're doing. Don't come to church every Sunday to get your church card punched. Right? Let's not come to church on Sundays to punch your card for the week and say, Oh, I did it. Look at me. No. It's about coming together. And I love the heart that Jeremy has because he's awakened to the, the purity and the power that we have in truth to encounter the Father. But it's about, it's about inviting others into that process. It's about creating that legacy to go further than we've gone before. No matter where you're at in your life, you're not done. I don't care what age you are, whether you're as young as Audrey or as you're old as, who is the oldest here today? It doesn't matter. You're not retired yet. <laughs> we also have an impact and a purpose to go and positively affect our communities, for Jesus to be revealed, for his kingdom to reign and move and, and continue to grow. It's not just this passive life that we live. And I want to encourage us, let's get out of our passivity and become active and, and, and pay, be willing to pay the price. It may look like coming to a prayer meeting at five. It may look like you just spending some time being aware 
Every day, however it may look, because you hunger and thirst after righteousness. You hunger and thirst after the presence of God. It is not something that you have to do because you got a, a sheet of paper telling you what to do. It is a heart position. It is a time for you to encounter the Father just as powerfully as you do the dishes than when you're here on your knees. Believe me, when you start to hunger and thirst after the presence of God, he will show up. I know when I was doing the dishes, I've done it, I've been ironing, and I've had worship go on, and all of a sudden I've had to stop because God's presence comes in. He's a gentleman, but he knows when he needs to encounter you because now he has your attention. Pay the price. Be willing to pay the price by simply just tuning to the right station. Pay the price by maybe finding something you can do in this church to serve, to partner with, to grow, to connect, to build, to forge the future. What does that look like for you? It's been said many times that we are standing on the ceilings of those that have gone before. We are creating a ceiling which others' floors become. That is my heart. That's my heart for you. It's, It's the heart for my children that my ceiling becomes their floor. And that continues to grow. And it will only grow as high as you allow it to. I encourage you, be willing to pay the price. Steward the land better than Cain and don't compromise your faith. All right, how about we stand and let's pray. As the music has come up. When we pray, how about we really realize the value that we have and where we stand right now? How about we really come into agreement? You know, we have a lot of empty seats. That's okay. But how about we start praying and seeing these seats filled at every service with hearts burning for Jesus, for hearts that want to know their Father and their Creator. How about we see this place expand sooner than later? How about we start seeing not just our lives reflect God's nature, but being a testimony of His goodness? It's, a, it's, it's you know, sometimes we feel like the evangelical call is just for the evangelicals. You're a Christian. It's a lifestyle. You're a Christian. You're a believer. It's a lifestyle. You have been given keys of life and hope. It doesn't matter whether someone else is more gifted in it. We're all meant to prophesy, pray, be sons and daughters. We're all meant to evangelize. We're all meant to represent the kingdom of heaven and see it advance. And like Jeremy said, we are standing on the fruit of our forefathers. I see that here because many of you have paid the price for even me to be here today. I want to say thank you. So as we close in worship, let's give God something that's worth, worth something to him. He's, he gave everything for you and I. He gave everything. Let's give him something back in return. And I just want to pray as we go, before we go into worship, Father, close your eyes. Father, I just pray that today as we go out, we just become more fully aware of your kingdom, more fully aware of your promises and your truth. Father, we want to worship you in spirit and in truth, in purity and power, like Jeremy says. 
Father, pierce our hearts. Pierce our hearts, God, to know your heart. Pierce our hearts to, to be done away with just the complacency in our lives. We repent of that, Father God. We pray that, Father, that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, we know that there is a, a plague in this earth right now, and we say it must cease, because if it doesn't exist in heaven, it cannot exist here on earth. We just command all, all sickness now that has been attacking many people to cease your works in Jesus Christ's name. We thank you, Father, for your blood. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for the life and the victory we have in you. We thank you, Father God. May we value the ground that we stand on, the legacy that we are building. Help us become aware, Father God, no matter where we're at, no matter how busy we are, awaken our hearts and our minds, Father God, to live for you. Amen.